Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chad Michael Bowen, and thank you so much for clicking on a brand new episode of Hindsight is 20 slash 200. Apologies for any sniffles. It is allergy season here in Florida, so I am a wreck right now. Um, Mucinex is my best friend, and maybe it's your best friend, too. Uh, I don't know, though, but uh, yeah, apologies for the sniffles. Uh, Allergies are just terrible if you have to deal with them. Anyways, enough about my nose. (laughs) Let's get into today's episode, but before we do, um, please let everybody know if they would like to um, listen to the podcast or if you know someone that might like to listen to the podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Hindsight is 20 slash 200. Just let them know it's 20 slash 200, not 2020. And there is a slash in between the 2200. Hindsight is 20 slash 200. Well, guys, we have a great new guest today, all the way from, I believe, uh, is he across the pond? Yes, he is across the pond in good old England. He is Ethan Brooks of Waymap. Hi, Chad. It's great to be with you today. It's good to uh, be with you today, too. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm from, I'm based in London, England. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so um, probably the, the heat and the pollen is not quite so oppressive over here <laughs> as, it, as it might be down there for you. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, we've had a lovely summer here so far. I was about to say, I was going to ask, like, what, what is this time of year like in uh, England? Is, is it quite lovely? Yeah, yeah, we've had a, um, it's always, it's always gorgeous in July, Mm. Um, but we actually broke out all time historic temperature record um, (laughs) here um, this, this, uh, this summer. So um, normally temperatures in the hundreds Fahrenheit are unheard Mm. of in the UK. Um, And we had, um, we had um, a good, uh, good three or four days stretch of um, temperatures in that, in that sort of bracket. So we're not built for it. We don't. Um, <laughs> um, air conditioning is yeah, um, right. yet, yet to make it here. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of Europe, we don't have the air conditioning in mm-hmm. our homes or anything. So it was um, uh, um, a, a time of great perspiration. So, uh, <laughs> um, but um, I think most people coped okay. Um, allowances were made. Mm-hmm. Um, then the news media got a great deal of excitement out of it. I have, but, um, I have to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's all good. But yeah, July in England is very nice. Very nice. That would be hilarious. I, I'm, a, I'm a history major. I would love to read a part of history called The Great Perspiration. <laughs> uh, that would be quite the read, I think. <laughs> well, uh, thank you again so much for coming on the show today. I'm so happy to have you here to talk about all the work that you do with Waymap. But um, before we uh, start diving into Waymap, can you give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself? Yeah, sure. So I, um, I was with Waymap from the very beginning. I was um, sort of the fourth employee member of the team. So we got started, we're now up to 30. Mm-hmm. Um, my background in government originally, based in the UK Parliament, mm-hmm. uh, working on comms, speeches and policy advice to members of Parliament and government ministers. Um, after that, I went to the BBC to oh. work on the, the government affairs and lobbying side for a while before um, joining the charity from which Waymap came out of. So 
that I guess gives me a decent segue into where Waymap came from. Mm -hmm. Waymap uh, grew out of the Royal Society for Blind Children, which is mm -hmm. a UK charity over 200 years old um, that's always focused on how best to educate and improve the lives of blind children. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the, the CEO of the Royal Society for Blind Children at that time is now the CEO of Waymap and the founder. Oh, cool. So, um, that's Absolutely. where we we uh, we developed the plan for the for this stage of the business while we were all there, and then the team spun out and left there. And I should say that at exit, mm -hmm. um, half of the founding shares of Waymap will go to the Royal Society for Blind Children. Awesome. So there's um, a great link there. That we're right. Not, obviously, we're, we're very proud of that. Right. Um, um, wow. So yeah. So um, but we're a few a few years into our journey now. Um, mm -hmm. um, it's a great uh, test of character and entrepreneurial um, experience to try mm -hmm. and start a business in the middle of um, a global pandemic. Yeah, Don't recommend yeah. it. Um, <laughs> um, but I um, mean, if you can get through this, then I think mm -hmm. you can get through anything. So oh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. say if you can flourish and experience growth, even when the world uh, is like no work. Uh, I think you can overcome it, uh, anything. So uh, if, if you made it through that, then you're here to stay for a long time. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. That's quite the transition that you made from government parliament to the BBC, of course, the British Broadcasting Communications, and uh, now the Waymap. I mean, uh, did you ever foresee yourself doing something like you are now with Waymap? I didn't, but in hindsight, um, I guess I learned pretty quickly that you can have um, that politics and public service is not the only place you can have a huge social impact. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to have that sort of social impact. Mm -hmm. But then um, when you realize that it's actually in the fields of technology and that, and that sort of socially minded company mm -hmm. like we are, that where you can have that impact. Um, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it, it's um, hard to make change in government. Um, yeah yeah i think i saw i saw that pretty clearly pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. and um and often uh the sort of uh discussion points the issues that that get focused on in politics mm -hmm. um they get they get stuck in their same old groove mm -hmm. and they don't really update themselves with the times because it's everyone sticking to their old script mm -hmm. and um i guess um the world is changing enormously quickly mm -hmm. outside of um, the world's congresses and parliaments mm -hmm. in, a, in a way that maybe those organizations don't necessarily keep up with. Yeah. Um, so the real sort of um, cutting edge of innovation and change is always going to be in um, technology, in, in companies mm -hmm. that um, are trying to bring what they have to the table and um, show the world what they can do. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's not as big a change um, <laughs> in terms of what, what we're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. Is, um, is anything else but I guess it's the right arena to yeah. try and change mm -hmm. yeah I mean it is kind of funny how um, you know you know wherever you are uh, wherever you live uh, of course disability is still quite um, behind other um, movements and uh, you know equality movements uh, but outside of like the governments the parliaments like the, the congresses uh, the people and the things like Waymap are already advancing it a lot further than they are, unfortunately. Um, 
So I guess we were leading the revolution, which I guess, I mean, if, if we are, then I guess uh, we're the right people to do it because we, we have a, an idea of what's needed. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'll also say that um, the United States is um, um, an amazing place to try and create new services like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, what has been achieved over the last 30 years mm -hmm. um, with the ADA mm -hmm. is um, hugely surpassing what we've achieved in the, the United Kingdom mm -hmm. or in the rest of um, Europe. Yeah. Um, I think it's just um, that magic combination of a well-written piece of law Mm -hmm. and a culture mm -hmm. that enables um, individuals to operationalize those rights in a sort of dynamic way um, has meant that um, there's a lot more focus and mm -hmm. interest in accessibility services mm -hmm. in the States than there is anywhere else in the world. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, and you can see that's not going to change. Um, there's always new thinking in that regard. So yeah. um, America is um, a much more hospitable place for this sort of this sort of thinking, and that's why actually um, we've um, the first city in which um, we're focusing on and launching in is Washington DC. Mm, yeah, so, uh, mm -hmm. and we so we we, we we got to Washington before we got to London. Mm -hmm. uh, oh wow, that's so, crazy! Um, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, um, but I'll just give give you a bit of background about what yeah, we're about. please do. So, um, yeah, so what we are is we're a navigation app um, mm. designed to work indoors and outdoors. I always mm. say that the problem with, nav with navigation apps is they don't work. They don't work for everyone. Right. They don't work indoors for anyone. So mm. we're, we're trying to tackle that, that sort of uh, that twin problem mm -hmm. where we want a navigation app that works for everyone. So not just for sighted people, but for blind people too, not just mm -hmm. for able-bodied people, but for persons with disabilities too. And also to try and tackle that problem where navigation apps like Google Maps are okay, they'll yes. get you to the front door. But we want to we want to help people um, explore that environment beyond the front door to mm. really open up sort of the great indoors as well. Right. Mm. Um, so that's what we're doing. So our ambition is for a citywide navigation app like Google Maps, um, like City Mapper, like Transit, uh, but then to go beyond the front door as well. So we look we have, we have that sort of citywide ambition to be everywhere. But really, mm. what we've um, what we have uh, that no one else has is the ability to accurately track and locate the user indoors where GPS oh, wow. has stopped working. So there's been lots of ways of doing this that have been attempted over the last 10 years. You, you'll have heard about the people trying to use Bluetooth beacons. You'll have heard about the, the people trying to use QR codes and stickers to help people locate themselves with the camera. What we do is a very different. So, um, we use the motion sensors that are, are already on your smartphone. So your smartphone has things like an, accelero an accelerometer on it, mm -hmm. has a barometer on it, it has a magnetometer and a gyroscope, all of which are providing constant streams of information about how the phone's moving. We have um, a, piece of, uh, a piece of software, an algorithm that we own uh, that allows us to combine those pieces of information and then track the user as they move around. If we know how they're moving around, we know where they are. Mm -hmm. And if we know where they are, we can give them the accurate navigation instructions and the information about what's around them without that connection to GPS and without that constant connectivity to cell phone signal. Mm -hmm. So um, that's how we can provide that sort of robust and reliable experience indoors as well. And that's what we've been pioneering. That's what we created. And that's what I think what we think sets us apart um, from other navigation apps that have been created and launched onto the market 
um, wow. so far. That's crazy. That's awesome. It's so it's so cool to see just how advanced this technology is getting. And um, for my listeners that um, maybe you know would like a little bit more clarity. So the way that it works is someone can get and use Waymap, and basically you are providing them the information on the other end to their like desired location. Yeah. So um, in in order for it to work for a mm-hmm. user. Uh, we have to have gone and mapped the building. Gotcha. Or mapped the city. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's what we're doing in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, as a starting point, mm-hmm. we're mapping out um, all of the metro stations and all of the bus stops in the city. No mean feat on its own. Um, <laughs> but, um, to try and create that sort of um, city-wide access, not just in Washington, D.C., sort of mm-hmm. downtown D.C. DC itself, but also... In, in Northern Virginia, Southern Maryland, mm. and parts of Delaware, with those bus routes, right. um, and parts of the the DC Metro, and as well as um, covering the sort of the street level um, map of the city. Mm-hmm. But then, what we'll have to do in the the medium term is okay. Say okay, great, we've covered the door to door aspect, inclusive mm-hmm. of the of the public transportation network. But then what we need to do is say, come on, guys, we have a service that if you, with the building owners, if they pay us to map out their, their venue, then we can have that navigation experience indoors for people as well. Right. So, yeah, so on the business model, we charge the building owner or the venue owner or the operator of the public transportation system, not the user. So it's free mm-hmm. for the user, but we charge the, the, the owners of the buildings instead. Right. So how do you map out? Um, I've heard of like, um, there's like these huge like backpacks that have like these, uh, it's like these batteries or some type of technology. And then people like literally like walk around and it maps them as they're walking. I know I'm doing a terrible job describing this, but. uh... No, it's okay. (laughs) So actually the map is a really, really good question about the mapping because it's a really, really fast moving technological space. so in an ideal world, mm-hmm. um, the building would have a map, the building owners would have a map of their building already. Mm-hmm. And we can take that and then add to it information that um, blind people might need. So mm-hmm. that's, in fact, a far simpler process for our mapping team. Mm-hmm. Um, often, though, um, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And the building won't have that sort of um, accurate map that we require. So in those situations, what we'll do is we'll, we will use um, a LIDAR scanner. Mm-hmm. Um, until very recently, they were very much the sort of clunky, big backpack size things mm-hmm. that you were describing. But um, the one we're using now um, is, is handheld. So it's, um, it's still about the size of like, um, how, do I, how do I describe it now? I'm thinking about it. Um, it's about sort of two foot tall and a foot wide. Okay. Um, so it's... Biggish, but yeah, um, but you can walk around with it in two hands and and, and scan an mm-hmm. environment that way. Um, and then we can use the the point cloud that that that, that lidar mm-hmm. scanner produces uh, to create the maps that we need. Mm-hmm. And then also it's capturing that visual data as well, so we can um, use we that, that can double up as the video um, capture that we'd normally undertake anyway. And that's and we can create the map with all the information we need that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how the map works. Uh, we have a team of very, very skilled people that do that here. But obviously, in the medium term, we want to 
make that a process that's not so dependent on mm-hmm. the talented people we have. We want to make that a process that um, every building owner in the world can um, utilize and mm-hmm. operate themselves. Um, because really we, we want to make it as easy as possible right. to have those maps. Um, mm-hmm. our, our interest is in um, um, scale rather mm-hmm. than uh, under, undertaking all that work ourselves. <laughs> right. Um, so when it comes to like detailed information feedback, um, what sort of things is a way map providing those that use it? Um, so if you know, we can start breaking it down for those who are listening who are curious about how this differs from say like the GPS. Yeah, so the principle is the same. So you have your location, mm-hmm. you, you then define where you want to go and then the app will calculate a route for you. Mm-hmm to complete that journey. The difference between, say, the experience you get with Waymap, though, mm-hmm. and what you'll get with Google Maps, is that um, Waymap is designed for blind people. So mm-hmm. you're getting a, a much more detailed, verbose experience where mm-hmm. um, you're getting turn-by-turn instructions that are accurate to a step or one mm-hmm. meter, or um, three feet. So, um, and, and because we know how, where you're facing as well, Right. Um, we can deliver that dynamically um, mm. in a much more detailed um, way than mm. um, apps that are requiring that are using GPS can. Mm-hmm. And also, we can carry on that experience past the front door. So, right. actually, GPS is pretty good um, in in most most um, areas now. GPS is pretty accurate, mm-hmm. um, but it goes really, really out of whack as soon as you go. <laughs> Uh, beyond the front door Mm -hmm. i've had an experience where i've been looking at um our data on desktop later so i can see where our our algorithm thinks the person is where the gps thinks they thinks they are (laughs) and it's pretty good i mean it's all fine Mm -hmm. and then they cross the threshold of a front door Mm -hmm. and that gps blue dot's going to jump 50 100 yards (laughs) Um, and that's and that's useless right um um, not to mention the fact it's not going to know what floor of, of a building you're on. Right, yeah. Especially um, like you're like an apartment or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I open GPS on my phone right now, it, it, it will think, it always thinks I'm 100 yards away, but on the other <laughs> side of, of a railway track. Um, so um, so, it's, it's, so it's, it's a different street. Um, but um, so GPS has its limitations as soon as you mm-hmm. are indoors. And we're looking, and we've um, we've um, countered that by having that um, that location software that doesn't require that sort of connection. Yeah, that's really interesting to think that um, GPS is so whacked out when you enter a building, but it's completely fine when you're outside. And then, of course, when you have something like a way map, um, I, I guess it's because of the way that you've mapped everything that it, it it's able to work even when it's inside where something yeah like so global. It's, it, mm-hmm. yeah it's the mapping there's also mm-hmm. it's the method of location so mm-hmm. because we're tracking you right. rather than just pinpoint locating you mm-hmm. um we we know how you're moving around that indoor space mm-hmm. um we know if you've gone up and out uh, gone up in an elevator or gone up some stairs or an escalator um we we can we're tracking you as you move around in mm-hmm. order to give you that um that navigation um information 
Yeah. Um, but really, I think um, we've been seeing this as we've developed the project, the, the products over several years. It's the the confidence that we're trying to give people because um, as you, you as you know yourself um, yeah. and our founder who's who's blind, Dr. Tom Pay, has always said like losing your sight or not having sight is a very scary thing. Obviously, it depends on your personal circumstances, mm-hmm. but really, what what's being taken away from you is that sort of sense of independence and mm-hmm. confidence. Mm-hmm. And if we can provide people with that. Uh, that confidence that they can leave the house and have that constant guidance. It's not going to go away if they lose signal mm-hmm. It's not gonna, or, or lose reception. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to be able to get to where they want to go and then get home again. Yeah. Then it's part of relearning how to be a part of the world again. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can offer that, um, then that's, that's the, really the goal. But in order to offer that, then we need the, um, we need the, that level of accuracy and reliability yeah. of our location software that um, that we're we're aspiring to, mm-hmm. to, to deliver and have delivered. Um, so that's really the sort of the part of the puzzle that Waymap needed to solve because mm-hmm. we we had tried the other methods before. Right, we had tried the Bluetooth diffusion. <clears throat> um, we had tried the QR codes, mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't quite working. So it was a case mm-hmm. of us um, looking and looking and looking to find mm-hmm. that piece of um, location technology in order to um, in order to um, to solve that puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you brought up a really um, great point about how uh, this technology is really kind of revolutionizing um, navigation, but also just uh, reinforcing independence and confidence when it comes to the visually impaired users, you know, that is the big thing for me is when, um, you know, I was still using my cane. The, the big problem was knowing, okay, well, did I miss my turn? Um, you know, it would have been great if, you know, someone would have mapped this and it could tell me when I'm coming up to the stairs because uh, stairs are always the big problem because with, you know, retinitis pigmentosa, you don't have any peripheral vision. So those stairs have always been the peskiest of enemies but uh, I can also see where Waymap uh, also kind of um, reinforces um, and kind of buffs the experience you can have with a guide dog because, you know, you don't have to replace a cane or a guide dog using Waymap, but you can basically give yourself an even greater experience when you use both of those things together. So, you know, the guide dog will know um, a route if you walk it long enough, but if you're in, like, say, you don't say, I, so I live in Florida. So if I go to DC, I've never really been to DC. So I don't know the routes and where to go in DC. Of course, you know, with a guide dog, you have to give it commands. You have to tell it to go forward and turn left, you know, look for the stairs. You can imagine how, if you go to a city you've never been before and Waymap has mapped it, how it can make your experience with your guide dog so much smoother. Yeah, no, Chad, that's absolutely right. And I was mm-hmm. nodding the whole time you were speaking. That, uh, <laughs> that's um, absolutely spot on, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, the guy, we, 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 we never say that you can you, you can um, lose your cane or your guide mm-hmm. dog. Um, Waymap isn't a primary mobility aid. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we still like our users to have mm-hmm. um, a really decent level of skill because that's about mm-hmm. safety yes it's not about wayfinding necessarily mm-hmm. um 
no, so yeah, but um, guide dogs, as, as smart as they are, mm-hmm. um, um, they haven't got um, an A to Z in their pocket. Um, <laughs> they can't, um, they can't uh, map out a route. I think right. um, they, they can know like two or three routes pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, that's, um, it's not um, giving someone complete freedom mm-hmm. um, to explore and p- participate in everything a city has to offer. Yeah. So, so we're we're looking to solve that um that wayfinding and navigation mm-hmm. challenge. Um well, guide dogs though are really interesting to me because um mm-hmm. especially because we we we've we've become specialists in how people walk around because we mm-hmm. need to understand how they move in order right. to lo- locate them. People with guide dogs really move. <laughs> um, they, um the the speed of walking and the the pace between mm-hmm. uh, a cane user and a guide dog user is just chalk and cheese. It's mm-hmm. um, and also the, the uh, and obviously the guide and the confidence that a guide dog user has yeah. when they approach um, a highway or some stairs is just so different. Because mm-hmm. uh, one thing we're doing with a cane user, mm-hmm. we 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 warn them about the stairs mm-hmm. in the preview of the route and as they approach the stairs, mm-hmm. and that gives them the opportunity to switch to a different cane technique right go, go into constant contact slow down find mm. it if it's tactile great right they, they can find the edge of the stairs um and we, we um because we're map measuring steps we can we can we can track that and then give them the, instru- the instructions about how far away they are mm-hmm. but, but with a guide dog the speed just goes up and up and up um, oh yeah, and <laughs> uh, um, um, it, it took a, it took a it took a, a little while for us to work out exactly how how fast they walked uh, <laughs> because um, I was doing some trials of our product in Los Angeles back mm-hmm. in April, mm-hmm. and I, I was having a pretty relaxing time of it to be honest. Um, being able to being able to walk gently alongside the trialists mm-hmm. who were cane users, mm-hmm. and then I really got my exercise in when. Um, <laughs> When we had some guide dog users, because, um, <laughs> I wasn't prepared. It was um, some real, some real speedy, real speedy walking. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, the use case, um, it was it was really interesting and really educative for us to see mm-hmm. that because obviously, you, you yourself are a guide dog user, but mm-hmm. I think in the UK, it's only only about one in fifty blind people. Mm-hmm. have a service a service dog like that so mm-hmm. really it's a, a, a i'm not sure of the figure mm-hmm. in, in, in the united states but mm-hmm. it's a tiny portion of the use case um mm-hmm. so it, to be able to um account for that mm-hmm. i was was a test for our technology because yeah. it's a real real fast way of walking it's almost a, it's almost a jog at times but <laughs> if you've got a, you got a young guy dog yeah um, um but um, but we we because we're because we have to calibrate the steps. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a test for us, but one we passed. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I I have a friend. I used to work for um, Southeastern Guide Dogs um, out of here in Florida, which of course it provides guide dogs to those who are visually impaired and service dogs to um, the individuals that have served in the U.S. military. And I had a friend go through, and um, he has a guide dog named Mastro. Um, Subaru actually uh, sponsored to name the dog uh, Mastro. And I will always remember like going to take um, Andres out, um, you know, to, to, for a break and just, you know, in the middle of work. And 
I would see him walking and he walked so fast that the trainers were literally having to run to keep up with him. So it's yeah. like, you're, it's like, it's, it's true. Like some of these people, when they get that guide dog, I mean, they remember, Oh, I can actually walk fast now. or <laughs> You know, I don't have to walk slow and count my steps anymore. I've got the guide dog. That's going to tell me when anything happens. So, I mean, some of these individuals, when they pick up the, 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 the harness and the lease, I mean, they book it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, no, it's, a re- it's really, well, it's great to see people so confident mm-hmm. moving around. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's another thing that we, um, that we um, have thought about as well, because um, lots of systems that have been trying to help blind people navigate indoors mm-hmm. have, had, have required the user to hold the phone in their hand mm-hmm. and use the phone a lot. Um, yeah we've tried to minimize that as much as possible. So mm. the phone can stay in your pocket. Mm. Um, um, you don't need to um, be waving it around um, like a system that's using the phone camera. Right. Um, so um, it can be tucked. Once you've defined the route mm. and you're following that route, the phone can be away. Um, you don't need to um, keep um, holding it and getting it out and changing it, changing oh, things. Yeah. We're, we're trying to be, seamless as much as possible from start to finish as we Mm -hmm. can yeah Um, especially with visually impaired uh, clients that are going to always you know for the most part have something in one of their hands i mean um for cane users it could be the left or right uh mostly for guide dogs user it'll be on their left but the the great thing about being able to put in your pocket and maybe you know put in some you know uh bone conducting you know earphones is um you have your right hand still open for when you need to correct the dog if it's like you know missed the curb or something so like that is so great to know that you've uh, accounted for that that seeming that seamlessness because it's definitely something that would need to be accounted for yeah and also people don't want to get their their smartphone out um (laughs) all the time Mm -hmm. um that that came up a lot in los angeles actually um Mm -hmm. more so than any other city Mm -hmm. i've i've chatted to people in Mm-hmm. Um, so that yeah, it wasn't an attractive idea mm-hmm. um, to be to be getting the phone out mm-hmm. um, in busy places in places yeah. that aren't super, aren't necessarily super safe. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, that idea of having it tucked away was um, was key for us. Um, yeah, that's that's something. Yeah, that definitely I forgot about because like if you're in a you know, the wrong side of uh, LA or New York. I mean, yeah, you might not want to hold out your fancy phone. <laughs> no, 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 no. But yeah, um, at the moment we're, we've got, we're going well in mm-hmm. DC. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're about a quarter to, th- to a third of the way through mapping out the metro stations, wow. <laughs> uh, doing the buses. It's a, it's a relatively manageable sized metro uh-huh. system. Uh-huh. Um, about 90 metro stations but if you compare that to london uh-huh. london is 350 metro <laughs> stations yeah paris is 350 ish um new york's similar size to mm-hmm. london and paris so dc um it's sort of a it globally is a mid-range size um um uh, urban railway system mm-hmm. so um that's one which also happens to be in obviously the national capital right um, so um, a lot of a business good, appealing place for us to be mm-hmm. um, um but yeah no, so that's part of the rationale for us in why we did that and mm-hmm. in every city we work in 
we work with um, sort of charity nonprofit partners. Mm -hmm. So in DC, um, our main partner is the Columbia Lighthouse for the Blind, mm. um, which is a super, super charity. Mm. They've been very supportive of what we do, very helpful. Um, and I'm sort of plugging us into the local <laughs> uh, blind community mm. so we can hear, hear the sort of unvarnished um, feedback right. about where we are with our system. Mm -hmm. Always that constant improvement <clears throat> that every, mm -hmm. every product has to go through. Um, but I try and replicate that sort of relationship mm -hmm. and process in every city we go to mm -hmm. because um, we can't just come in cold and right. offer a system because um, um, really it requires that level of trust mm -hmm. and confidence building um, to drive the usage and uptake um, wherever we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you are ingratiating yourself with the people that are going to... Um, benefit it from once the actual mapping has been done and then to be able to be rolled out officially. I mean, having already worked with the people that are going to be benefiting from it, the actual public, having them actually be a part of helping you map it. I mean, that's only going to make them believe and trust in the technology more and more. Yeah, that's the hope. Yeah. Because okay. um, um, I think uh, one really important thing that I've been keen to achieve in, in, all, in all the sort of communications and publicity we do as a company mm -hmm. is managing expectations because I think mm -hmm. in, in lots of in lots of situations people have heard it all before mm -hmm. um it's not like we're the first people to try this right um there's always someone trying to hawk a new piece of technology or a new app to help mm -hmm. help people it's a case of trying to trying to level with people saying look it requires us to map it right um we will get there eventually but it's not going to be it's not it's not a case of snapping our fingers and making it available <laughs> right it's a case of um a coalition building in a place demonstrating demands mm -hmm. and then then going together to mm -hmm. the sort of decision makers in that city mm -hmm. and and making that case um it's a it's sort of it's a it's a, it's a steady process, but I think by describing it and making it clear it's a steady process mm -hmm. um, stops sort of that sort of too good to be true right. um, um, feeling that can attach to itself to some technology companies because we're not we're not here today gone tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We have we have a legacy that's come out of decades of experimentation and learning about how to help people navigate indoors and outdoors. The reason why we're here now mm -hmm. is, um, I guess, that coincidence of in timing between um, all that um, study and experimentation that Tom had been doing mm -hmm. for 20 years um, and the advancement of the cell phones yeah. to the point where they had the level of motion detection software on them already. Mm -hmm. that would en enable us to to use the phone just the phone the mass market phones that have been around yeah. for, for six or seven years now to um to locate someone and then based off that location we can provide that tailored navigation experience mm -hmm. so that it's a real coincidence of timing yeah i think has brought the company into being yeah it's, it's kind of funny when um you talk about um the advancements that are being made in AI, you know, we see a lot of AI glasses and, 
you know, AI apps. Um, the funny thing is, is sometimes there's like a bulk of this technology that's just being used or looked at on, on your, on your phone, on your, just like an iPhone or a, an Android nowadays. It's just funny to see like some of the most advanced technology AI is just being worked on when it comes to something that most everybody has in their pocket every day. Yeah. I mean, they are extraordinary. I mean, mm -hmm. it's easy, it's easy to forget um, how fast things have changed. I mean, mm -hmm. I moved to London in 2012 and I think back and that was still a year when we, when we had um, A to Z maps mm -hmm. um, that we carried around with us. Uh, that was 10, that was only 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. You couldn't use um, Google maps or Apple maps reliably back then mm -hmm. to get around the city and um, fast forward uh, 10 years. Now it's ubiquitous. And that's yeah. actually, again, the, part of the problem we're trying to solve is um, there's this growing expectation, right? Across mm -hmm. um, city government that everyone can use these things. Right. And everyone is already. But if um, you have vision loss or another disability that prevents you using that, mm -hmm. um, then you're not going to have the, that level of access to the information that the transit providers pr um, providing, because they're, they're starting to assume more and more that everyone's got, got that access. Mm -hmm. So as these apps become more of a dependency for everyone, then it's really important that, that we catch up and make sure that the apps that, that we're making available actually work for everyone. Otherwise, mm -hmm. there's a sec there's a sort of this next generation of the, this information revolution, the smart city revolution, that's going to exclude people again. Um, we, we, need, we need to avoid that happening. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in terms of like how you guys at Waymap start mapping. Because like you said, this is a very um, rigorous, you know, long process. You know, it's not something like you can say, all right, we'll see you on a Monday and we'll be done by Sunday. I mean, this is something that's going to take quite some time. And of course, like you said, you you know, let people know this is, you know, this is going to take time. So there's temporary expectations, but how do you start mapping? So say like, cause like, you know, you're, you're doing DC. So like, how did you guys begin processing? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Mapping, mapping a whole city isn't mm -hmm. quick. Mm -hmm. um, we are getting faster, um, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not really quick, not really, really quick. I think, we can now knock a, um, a metro station on the head in three or four days. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully, we can get that even quicker. That's mm -hmm. come down. That's come down a lot even this summer. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and so the first thing I'd want is um, access to the maps that the metro provider has already for the mm -hmm. station. Mm -hmm. We then want to verify those pretty quickly to see if they're accurate. Right. Um, if if they look accurate, then that will speed up our process a lot. Then we'd want to undertake um, the LIDAR scans of the stations that, well, we didn't have maps. Um, then it's up to the team to, uh, to create those maps in our online studio that we're, that we're using to, to build those maps in order for our automated navigation system to, to, to find those routes. So, really it comes down to ascertaining mm -hmm. what information is available across a city 
mm-hmm. and then putting those pieces together. Um, but every city is different. I mean, I was mm-hmm. talking to um, obviously the, the the street level mapping is, is a key part of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and lot and there's there's lots of people make, make, um, coming up with ideas and projects that are separate to what we're doing that can make that process really interesting in the future. I was talking to someone, a city planner from Milan in Italy, um, and they're undertaking a citywide um, open street maps project, mm-hmm. not to map out the entire city, but also to include obstacles that people with disabilities might uh, need to know about. Right. And include information about uh, width, the width of gaps for, for wheelchairs, numbers of steps or what the best um, step-free routes are. Mm-hmm. If every city did that, then that would make our life a lot easier. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's going to be a whole bunch of um, of innovations in this space because it's important and um, people are thinking about it. But mm-hmm. part of Waymap's job is to make sure that people aren't doing this work in silos. Mm-hmm. So I go, I'll go to conferences around the world and realize that people's thinking is three years out of date, right. four years out of date. And in case of us saying, oh, hey, like you, you don't have to start this project from scratch mm-hmm. in, Dres- in Berlin or Dresden, mm-hmm. it's being done in Milan. Mm-hmm. Or, um, oh, you don't have to think from scratch about designing your own system because we're doing this in DC. Right. Um, it's, um, it's amazing. Um, it, well, it's a big old world. And um, <laughs> A lot of people are very well-meaning and trying mm-hmm. to solve problems, but it's a mm-hmm. case of um, making sure that um, that the that all that hard work and that energy and passion is being channeled in the right way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just need someone coming from a slightly different perspective or mm-hmm. from outside that ecosystem mm-hmm. to um, to spark that change. Yeah, one hundred percent. So um, you mentioned how you can do a lot um virtually so like if you because like you said like if you already have the plans so like the like the map kind of like the blueprints you are able to do that from a virtual environment so is it kind of like a mix of 50 50 like you can do a lot mapping wise from you know you know remotely but uh you can also of course do like in-person walking around as well yeah no we can do that so um we don't if if we pay someone to do the scans out mm-hmm. somewhere, we don't need, we don't need to go. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody uh, at the moment needs to wander around that space to walk around that space for us to, to, to get that scan, but uh, it doesn't need to be us. Um, <laughs> it can be, it can be somewhere anywhere. Like we, we, we have people in the States, so um, we have boots on the ground there to, um, to help us, but um, there are lots of countries around the world where we don't have that personnel. So we would use um, um, a, a, a non-profit partner or a contractor to do mm-hmm. that work. But more and more, yeah, we, 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 we're getting to a point, and no, we have to get to a point where we don't need to be there in, a, in an intense way to create that operable map. Mm-hmm. So, are there still some things that um, need to change to make this process streamlined? Uh, I mean, of course, as someone like yourself who is doing this uh, actively in real time, is there anything that you see still needing to be a little bit more streamlined to make this a smoother process? 
I'd say that there's there's two ways of answering that. One, there's a way map side of it, which is mm-hmm. um, um, obviously our internal process. But then there's a city and data level side of that question, mm-hmm. which um, um, is important too. Mm-hmm. So from our internal process, automation is always going to be key. We're always trying to automate automate processes to try and take them out of someone's workload um, so they can focus on what humans are best at, which is spotting and is um, seeing if what's happening in the automation is making sense. But I guess um, there's lots of types of information and data that cities collect or can collect, which would make um, people's life a lot easier especially persons with disabilities, Mm -hmm. if it was collected in the right way and then presented in the right way via uh, an API that we can include in our transit experience. So um, that can be down to how busy is a station, how busy is is a particular train, because that will impact on the desirability of a certain route. Um, Often a transit system or a metro system won't collect live data on whether mm. an elevator's out or, oh, okay. an, or an escalator's out. They will just put up a sign um, um, in, in the station. That's useless to someone trying <laughs> to plan a, plan a journey or because the, we, we know that people want to plan the route when, while they're at home um, and get themselves familiarised with what the instructions are going to be before they're set out and, and are guided there. So there's a, a challenge that we would push on to cities over the next sort of couple of years and say, like, information about what accessibility features are working or not, or, or new information about what the, um, the, the nature of your rail system is like any given points would be really valuable to have. Mm-hmm. So, and if we can include that data, then... Um, then we can enhance the user experience all the more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind ultimately, of... we can't make cities do that. That's the case. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, almost kind of like how, um, if you're familiar with ways and uh, mm-hmm. how like you can report, oh, there's a police right here, or there's a yeah, roadblock. That's, that's, that's useful. Um, yeah. <laughs> especially when they've got the speed camera. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so... I think crowdsourcing will be something that we look at in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, as we move from, we're always going to be an app designed for persons with disabilities, but really mm-hmm. that's sort of how, how we think about universal design. So mm-hmm. if we design a system that works for a person, for the basically the hardest wayfinding case, mm-hmm. people who, who can't see, then we over time we can we can build out always keeping our system that, so it works for everyone mm-hmm. um perhaps we'll get to a point one day where we're an app for everyone mm-hmm. um everyone to use yeah at that point our cohort of users could get to a scale yeah. where we can look at the, that sort of the crowdsourcing of information um it's possible mm-hmm. that sort of that method will work in the near term mm-hmm with vision impaired users, but say in the in the DC area, uh, there's about fifty to sixty thousand yeah. people. Um, that's not um, 
likely to, to, to generate in the near term a number mm -hmm. of users that will enable us to do that. So I think that's further down the track. Mm -hmm. I think right now um, we just need to focus on getting the the, the transit maps right, right ourselves, mm -hmm. and then um, and then making a more attractive proposition mm -hmm. for um, for sit for buildings and, and people with large estates at the end of at the nodes of that transport network to, mm -hmm. to include Waymap um, availability as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, totally, I think crowdsourcing is is a really, really exciting thing. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I think it, it's a couple of years away. Of course, yeah. Um, for us, for our system. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how Waze do it is phenomenal. And, and you can get like a, a really exciting like community feel mm -hmm. to it. Like, um, I'm help, that sort of idea that I'm providing information to help my, help my neighbors. Mm -hmm. um, um, there's lots of cool apps in that regard. There's mm -hmm. um, there's also things like Nextdoor providing yeah. really useful information. Um, yeah, it's all really exciting. It is. Think, and the, um, lim the limitations are kind of non-existent when it comes to this technology. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So have you um have you used any any other any other sorts of these um, indoor wayfinding um, solutions yourself? Obviously, we're not in Florida yet. So <laughs> no, I mean, I, I recently found out about these as I started to get more and more invested within the visually um, impaired community. And I've gotten very interested in just AI technology and just navigational assistance devices. So for me, this is kind of like a great time of discovery for me personally because I've never really known that such stuff has been being worked on for, you know, a couple of years now, or maybe even longer. So for me, it's really, really exciting because I, of course, can put myself in the scenario of like, okay, I could have used this when I was at college, because when I was in college, that's when my vision dipped so dramatically to the point that I had to take a, a year off um, to go get my guide dog because I just couldn't navigate the campus with my cane safely. Um, so when I, I just put myself in the shoes of if I had this technology, right, let's say I know I go back to college now, go back to the same campus that I haven't been on for, you know, four or five years and had to relearn everything, you know, let's just say that, you know, in this scenario, Waymap is here in Florida. I mean, it would just open the door to so much more confidence and independence that I lacked back in those days when I really needed it. So for me, this type of technology is very personally exciting. Yeah, so that's, that's great to hear. Mm -hmm. um, we, we tested out on a college campus back in April. Mm -hmm. That was really, really exciting. Um, moving from any, any, any one room Mm -hmm. in any one building to mm -hmm. any other room in any other building mm -hmm. was um, a really exciting thing for us to do. Actually, I guess a more expansive use case mm -hmm. than the Metro. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that, that was, that was huge for us. And, mm -hmm. I, and I, I see campuses of all kinds, be it medical campuses, yeah. um, uh, college campuses be, uh, being, being the sort of thing we're, we're doing in the future as, as a sort of call to action. Mm -hmm. I think any 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 of your listeners mm -hmm. um, thinking about 
whether they want Waymap to be available in their in their locale in the, where they operate day to day. We're 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 always looking for um, for new places to partner with, new new things to do. Um, cities are big projects for us, but mm-hmm. um, if if um, any university is willing to be an early adopter outside of the context of a city mm-hmm. um, where we're currently deploying, or if anyone wants to talk to their or has that sort of connection into the people that operate the transportation system in that in their city, then we're always keen to talk mm-hmm. um, um, to try and find those new opportunities. You hear that, people? Uh-huh. Hear my that my Florida. Floridians, let's get them to Florida. <laughs> I am talking to one city in Florida, which if I uh, if I can achieve some progress there, I will let you know which city it is. I don't want to um, put any uh, undue pressure on them. But, um, <laughs> um, no, totally. I'm talking to people all the time, mm-hmm. trying to find new cities to do. And as we do those cities and complete the, the rollout there, then the case will only grow because... Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's something that the cities are going to see the benefit of and want right. to and want to have in their in their place. So, mm-hmm. um, but the, um, our website is um, www.waymapnav.com. That's W A Y M A P N A V dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and there's a contact form on there um, that people can um, can fill in and use. Um, yeah, and my email is um, ethan.brooks, that's brooks with no e, at waymapnav.com. <laughs> so people can uh, people can contact me mm-hmm. and we can talk about um, about what we can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, we're always is, looking for new things. Is there any way that um, those that have listened to today's episode, if they want to support you guys, like, it's, it's just, you know, of course, following you and everything you're doing, but uh, is, is there anything more that if someone is really inspired by the work you're doing can do, can uh, can help support Waymap? Yeah, like I said, I think the best way people could support Waymap is by spreading the word, talking mm-hmm. to a building owner that, mm-hmm. that, um, where you want Waymap to be, mm-hmm. um, and then together get in touch with us and say, oh, how can we do this? Because um, that's ultimately how we're going to, spread this and um and make ourselves available as much as we can yeah absolutely it's it's an exciting time you know i know it sounds weird to say this but uh it kind of is true um you know as terrible as having a disability is um modern times definitely has made it uh a better time to have to learn to navigate life of disability because there's so much more available. There's, you know, things like Waymap out there now that are helping those who are losing their vision or just losing their independence and confidence because of a disability. And that's why as, as gross as it kind of seems to say this, I mean, there's so much out there now that makes having a disability not the end, of, end all be all as it used to be back in the, you know, years and years ago. So. Um, Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. You're laying an amazing foundation that is going to revolutionize and change the world. So we appreciate all that you do. Thank you so much, Chad. It's been a joy to listen to you. And yes, yeah, that, that optimistic vision is exactly mm-hmm. what we're trying to, trying to make the reality. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Well, guys, he provided you the links. Please, if you would like to talk to him, email him at his email, ethan.brooks at waymap.com. Of course, go to their website. They are on social media. If you would like to follow them on social media and just keep up with what they're doing, do that as well. But if you would like me to pass any questions along to my guest today, please do email me. It is cmbouton, email cmbouton. That's c-m-b-o-u-t-o-n at yahoo.com. One more time, at cmbouton at yahoo.com. If you want to follow along on Twitter, the podcast is on Twitter. It's at 2200 hindsight at 20200 hindsight at 2200 hindsight. And if you know anybody that would like to listen to the podcast, or you've missed any of the episodes lately and are wondering, where's my episodes? Apple podcasts, Spotify, and anchor. Hindsight is 20 slash 200. Make sure it's 2200, not 2020. And you make sure you put a slash in between 2200. Hindsight is 20 slash 200. Well, thank you again to my amazing guest, Ethan Brooks of Waymap. And thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. And so we meet again. Please take care of each other and be safe and be kind. Take care, guys.